listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today's episode is a classic example of a win-win scenario. Many of the Creating a Brand listeners have been asking me to chat with a successful YouTuber, and today I'm bringing you the perfect guest. His name is Devin Graham, better known on YouTube as Devin Supertramp. If you're not familiar, don't worry, we'll get into the meaning of his name in this episode. Devin has built one of the most successful independent YouTube channels. His videos range from extreme sports, parkour, and epic storytelling. I'll have a link to some of my favorite videos in the show notes, which I'll mention at the end of the episode. Now, why is today's episode a win-win? Because Devin is one of my favorite YouTubers. I've been following him since day one, and today, Evan shares his journey and wisdom with us. Even if you have no plans to do anything with video or on YouTube, listening to someone as successful as Devin in the digital space is going to add value to your life. So I'm excited to get into this interview. Let's not wait any longer. Here is my conversation with Devin Graham. Devin, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Stoked to be here, my friend. Thanks for having me on board. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, this is a dream for me. I'm a huge fan of yours and your YouTube channel, Devin Supertramp. Keeps us busy. <laughs> does it? I it can't, does. It's... I can't imagine. I, I re- realized you recently, you're getting very close to actually 6 million subscribers on YouTube and like half a million on Instagram. You guys are really taking off, really starting to crush it a lot more than I've ever seen before. Well, thank you. Yeah, we started with kind of these crazy extreme videos, and then we kind of shifted towards more of these like longer form narrative structure things. So it's it's definitely been a learning process for us. Yeah, I'd like to get into that in a little bit here. And I'll tell you what, I found you guys really early on. And I told you this offline, actually, at an earlier date when we were talking, but I told you that I felt like the cool guy because, you know, YouTube was the thing. Like when it first came out, everyone was like, oh, have you seen anything good on YouTube? And I was the guy in my city, at least, who discovered Devin Supertramp. And I found that it was the bike jump, 35 feet in the air, something like that is what yep, it's called, actually. that was our first viral video. I think it was the third one we ever uploaded. Yeah. So I, you were on the early days. Yeah, yeah, man. I remember showing people that, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm cool just for ha- knowing this channel. So uh, <laughs> uh, it goes goes way back. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. So uh, the first awesome. question I want to ask you, because it's the first question I always get when someone's when I tell them, I'm like, hey, you need to check out Devin Supertramp. They say, what on earth is Devin Supertramp? I'd love to get the meaning behind the name before we jump too far into this. Yeah, so my name is Devin, hence Devin Supertramp. And one of my all-time favorite books is called Into the Wild. It's about a true story about a guy named Chris McCandles. And when he decides to go out to live his dreams of going to Alaska, he um, kind of changes his name while he's on the road to Alexander Supertramp. So when I decided I'm going to go out there, live my dreams of making films or making movies, um, I'm going to call myself kind of homage to that whole idea of living your passion, Devin Supertramp. So that's kind of where that whole idea came from. I love it. Did you like the movie? Um, I did like the movie. I like the book a lot more, though. Okay. Um, and But yeah, he ends up dying by himself, um, stuck in a van. So it ends up tragic, you know. But So hopefully that doesn't happen to us. But I, I was definitely inspired by his story of kind of going out there against all odds. Um, and I've been I've been making movies ever since I was little, but it was like, and you never know when you start on social media, like, is that name going to be really my name that it sticks with? But that just kind of happened with me. It wasn't part of the plan. It just kind of happened. Yeah. So like you said, you've been doing film for your whole life. It's been something you're interested in. When did you decide this was going to be something you're going to do full time? Or did you ever make that decision or did it happen very organically for you? 
Yeah, honestly, it happened very organically for me. Um, I've always made movies since I was almost right out of diapers, um, like home movies with my siblings, music videos, stop motion, Lego videos. And I just kept on doing it, kept on doing it. And I was doing sports and all that stuff. But filmmaking was always kind of the thing. It's what I wanted to go to college for. Um, so I'd say from a very earlier age is like what I was passionate about. And even while I was going to college, like I was still like taking all the film classes, but I was also like filming wedding videos, doing wedding photography, working on everyone's film shoot. So it was always a part of my, my lifestyle. Would you recommend to people that if they have a passion like that, they've been following since they were, they were children to pursue it in a bigger, in a bigger way. Do you think that's viable for businesses in today's world? I would 100% suggest it. I think the one trap I see people get into though is their plan is after I graduate college, then I'm going to make a profession of it. It's like make a profession of it while you're going to college, before you're going to college, just so you fit right into the ecosystem. Because I see a lot of people, they'll graduate film school, but then they can't get any jobs because they weren't working in before that, you know. So just keep that mindset, I think, is really important. Yeah, and to add to that, that that's same in my industry. I've been in aerospace for a long time, and I have many college graduates saying, hey, I've got, I've got the four-year degree or the six-year degree even, and uh, I'm looking for a job. And the first thing I'm looking for is actually experience. Did you do anything while you were in school? So I like that, to always be pursuing it along the side. I think that's a great thing that you're able to do. Um, do you have any tips for people that are maybe wanting to turn a, a hobby, because that was clearly a hobby for you growing up, into an actual career? Do you have any ways you can say that this will really help you stand out? Yeah, for me, is you have to put in 10,000 hours. And I'm sure you've heard that, that phrase before. Is you've got yes. to put in 10,000 hours. You've got to become an expert at it. Um, and the big thing with like what I do as far as social media is you have to stand out. So you have thousands and thousands of people trying. So it's like what makes you different? Um, and you have to be willing to work harder than anyone else. Like when I was going to college, instead of like going partying on the weekends, I was reading film tutorials, like watching anything I could to learn how to be a better filmmaker. So for me, it's always been a part of my life. Like that takes precedence as far as anything else, as far as hobbies out there for me. Have you ever dreamed of doing anything else? Um, the other plan B or plan A, depending on how, who you talk to, would be to be an astronaut. But I was terrible with math. So like, I think that would be something I, I gravitated towards. But filmmaking was always like the passion as far as what I was actually doing. I wasn't learning how to fly spaceships. I was learning how to make a movie. Um, so for me, it's, it's just kind of it made sense. It's what I'm excited, passionate about. I, I'd say bigger picture, like the goal is to do Hollywood feature films. But YouTube has been a way to kind of get to that point exponentially faster than spending 30, 40 years grinding through Hollywood. Yeah, I got you. Sorry the astronaut thing hasn't really worked out yet. Maybe you'll be able to, be able to shoot the first like 8K video in, in space or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, Maybe we'll but, get there. But with that said, First Man, when that movie came out um, last year, Universal Studios with Ryan Gosling, they, they hired us to go out there, and I got to train to be an astronaut. I got to do zero-gravity flight and, and go to NASA headquarters. So for me, it's like I get those kind of experiences while doing what I love to do with, with capturing and, and filming. That's so incredible. it's all worked out. I love hearing that. And also, I noticed recently you did something for Jurassic Park. It was um, Fallen Kingdom, I believe, right? And that the one you're helping them promote? Yep, Fallen Kingdom. And um, so, yeah, we did a fan film, essentially just me creating stuff on my own, funding it myself. Universal Studios saw that film. And then they're like, we love what you did here. We'd love for you. We'd love to hire you to do one for our new movie. And um, that's kind of how that happened. And after that, then I did another one with them for First Man. I'm actually working with them on two other projects for Universal Pictures right now as far as promotional videos. So it's like a studio that I've always dreamed of working with. I now get to do like cool promo videos for them. 
That's incredible. Devin, I'm loving this conversation already, and I want to kind of transition back to something you were talking about, how you put in that 10,000 hours. Now, when you were doing that, were you making money right away, like while you're in school doing this? I know with the weddings and things like that, but when you were pursuing kind of where you got your start, which I'm going to call it um, maybe adventure or extreme sports is where you were doing these videos, were you getting paid to do those right out of the gate, or is it something you had to work your way into? Yeah, I'd say about the first 10 years of honestly like pursuing it, I'd say 5% of the projects I did were paid. Um, it's very hard to make it in the action sport world or like landscape world as far as filmmaking goes. So I was, whenever I could get a paid thing, I would take it. But whenever I wasn't getting paid, I'd still be taking it. Um, I was always trying to learn from the best of the best. So I was like reaching out to the college and say, who's the best filmmakers out here? I'll work for them for free, whatever it takes. And I feel that's what kind of got me into the ecosystem. And that's what provided um, and created all those opportunities for me. What you just said was really valuable. You reached out to the best of the best and offered to work for them for free. I think too many people, especially in today's world, when we're trying to create brands for ourselves, we immediately associate what we're doing with a paycheck. So we're like, we need to get paid right away. But the truth is, if you can sit back and really learn from the best of the best and even do things for free, that's going to really help you out in the long run. And clearly, you've, you've seen that to be the case. Am I right? 100%. And even now, after we're established and we work with some of the biggest brands in the world, when I get opportunities to work with things that I'm passionate about um, or someone that I think is just incredible, um, I still do things for free, even kind of where I'm at now. I love that. Again, that goes back to your passion about this and you're making sure it stays the main thing because I think that all of us, whatever we're creating, whether it's a YouTube channel or trying to get into Hollywood movie production or something completely different, if our passion's really in it, we need to rem remind ourselves of that. We don't want the paycheck to become the number one thing. And if we focus on that, I believe everything we do suffers from that. The quality of what we're doing, the reason behind it, the heart behind it will really begin suffering. 100%. Um, everything that we take on, it's always like the first question we ask is, are we excited about this? And occasionally you'll have things you're not excited about, but it's going to be a big, good paycheck. And we, we still take those on. But generally speaking, we usually gravitate to the things that we're excited about. That's great. Now, I'm thinking you weren't getting paid at the beginning, but one thing I've always noticed about Devin Supertramp, this channel, every time I talk to people, they're like, you've got to see the cameras they're using. It's amazing. It's incredible quality. If you weren't getting paid, how were you affording this great gear that you had even early on? Yeah, so going back to that first video you mentioned, the bike jump video into the pond, like the very first, I'd say, 15 videos that I made, um, I didn't even own a camera. I was borrowing other people in college that had other cameras, and they weren't like crazy expensive cameras. We're talking like $1,000 cameras. The Canon T2i is what we shot that video on, and the Canon 5D Mark II, and I was just borrowing people's cameras. And after I put out the first like 10 videos or so, people, businesses saw, oh, this is really good. We want to hire Devin to create um, a project for us. And that's when the actual money started coming in. And that's when I was able to afford my own gear. But I started off just borrowing um, from my friends. If you were to go back, would you still do it that way? Or would you try to take out a loan to buy gear? What would you recommend to somebody getting started in that space? Yeah, I would say avoid being or do whatever you can to be debt free. Um, mm -hmm. For us, thankfully, we've been able to do that. We've never been in debt with anything that we've done. Um, I know sometimes you got to start as far as businesses, but as far as in my world with filmmaking, like the gear that we wanted right at the start was like million dollars, half a million dollar gear. So instead of us going into debt, we just worked our way up from small cameras and slowly worked our way up from there. But we've done all that within like a, a I'd say about a three-year time span where we're able to get like the gear and the camera gear we really wanted. 
I think you bring up a great point here, though, and I want to make sure that creating a brand audience understands this, that you don't need to have all the tools yourself right away to get started. You just need to start where you are with what you have and what you have access to and, and check your network. If you have a friend that has something that, that could help you, an audience or anything like that, be willing to leverage anything you possibly can, because I believe that's how you truly make it, not going into debt and just trying to you know, wait until you have everything you need to get started. Start today where you are with what you have and then let the success follow you after that. Yeah, and I would also, to add to that, I would say I was finding people to work with that were kind of at my same level, where, um, like, for example, like the musicians that I was using at the very beginning, they were just local musicians that wanted their name out there, so they were letting me use their music for free because they were getting that exposure from them, and as we continued to get brand deals, I was actually able to pay them for their music um, for the following videos that we continue to do, and even to this day, um, whenever I have those opportunities, the people that were with me since the very beginning um, were able to give them paychecks, which has been awesome to see that come full circle. Yeah, that's actually one thing that's always made your channel stick out to me is that you guys have your own music on there. I'm like, man, who who is this? I'd go look up the music afterwards. That definitely looked like worked really well for you. Now, was that something that you planned to do to stand out or what made you decide to go with something other than just stock music or something like that? Yeah, for us to be able to monetize, like we would be stoked to use like uh, whatever's the top 10 songs that's on the billboards. But for us, like if we wanted to monetize our videos, we had to own the rights to it. So we had no other option but to reach out to local musicians. Um, one of the first musicians I ever worked with, Steven Anderson, um, I just reached out to the college near me and said, hey, is there any musicians out there that you think would be interested in creating music for us? And then they suggested a guy named Steven Anderson. And then I wrote him and me and Steven worked together for the first two years with ever, without ever seeing each other in person. It was all through emails, but he, he created so, he's probably created about 75 songs for our videos um, and he's he was able to make a living through doing that as we continue to work together that's really cool and obviously creativity is a large part of what you do how have you been able to just keep your mind working creatively and i'll get into more questions on that but just a broad overview of how have you been able to be so creative is it just the way you're wired have you had to really stretch that within yourself we constantly, the issue we have is once you create something cool, people expect you to create something even cooler right. um, and even cooler, which usually also sometimes, not all the time, but that sometimes means like bigger budget projects. So for us, it's like, okay, we're going to have someone launch off of a cliff. People love that. Now we got to have someone launch off of a cliff that's 500 feet to a parachute off of a slip and slide. So we're always trying to up the ante. So to me, that gets a little challenging as far as like how far can we push people um, and do it safely where no one's going to get hurt. Um, but we're always like looking for inspiration all around us. But it's it just taking things that people have already done before and figuring out what can we do to make this our own. Yeah, your videos definitely have gotten more more extreme because I can remember early on, again, I've mentioned I'm a fan. And uh, early on, one of my dreams was just to be an extra in one of <laughs> one of your YouTube uh -huh. videos. And then they got more and more extreme. I was like, OK, I don't know if I do this stuff anymore, you know, <laughs> but right. it always made it really stand out. Now, with that said, how have you been able to to kind of translate from Gen Y to Gen Z? Because obviously Gen Z is consuming content much differently than Gen Y. What have you been able to do to stay relevant with this next generation? Um, we're still trying to figure that out, honestly. Um, I would just say every couple years, even the algorithm on YouTube, it shifts. Um, so it starts favoring longer content. So then we started trying to create longer content. Then it was starting to favor daily content um, as far as to get our videos seen. But daily content for what we do, and some of our videos take two weeks to several months to create, it just wasn't realistic. So we're still honestly trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, we've we've launched um, since the last, I say, four or five years, a behind-the-scenes channel that shows more of an inside look. And that's made it so we can put out a little bit more consistent content. Um, but we're still trying to figure out like how to stay in the game as it's constantly 
constantly changing and evolving, but I feel like everyone on social media as well is dealing with that same problem. Yeah, I mean, no one's learned it or figured it out. It's always going to be evolving because as soon as we figure out Gen Z, then I don't know what comes after Gen Z, but then the next gen figures it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's going to be something else where we're going to have to continue to be working on. How much time do you actually pay attention to, to YouTube's analytics and the algorithm and things like that? Are you spending a lot of time doing that? I mean, every video that we release, which generally speaking, every other week on our main channel, we release a, a brand new video and we're tracking the algorithm. We're checking if people are clicking on it, how fast they're clicking on it, where they're clicking on it from. Are they clicking on it from YouTube through the subscription feed? All that plays into what we're creating. Um, and then like the thumbnails that we're using, the the video descriptions, like everything we do, we're monitoring to see what's working, what's not working. Um, and then we, we kind of adjust and make plans according to that. Um, so it's definitely a, a trial and error with that, but we're definitely looking in trend, into trends. That's a big part of it. We see a big trend that's about to happen or, or it's in the early phase. We try and create content on that. A good example is Pokemon Go. Like it was starting to explode these early days three years ago. And I was like, oh shoot, let's create a video this weekend. Um, we spent two days filming it, released it that same week. And I, I mean, it has over 20 million views on YouTube just because it was based off of like a current trend and we were adapting to what was popular. Yeah. Now, if somebody is just kind of getting started in this game, not even just YouTube, let's just talk general social media. If someone's just getting started, do you recommend really keeping up with that trend and watching the algorithms as closely as you can? Like how much time do you do that versus spending time working on using your creative mind? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd say it's we do it both ways. Sometimes we'll just create content strictly because we're excited about it. And then the other half is like, if we can't even get people to our channel, why are we create that content if no one's going to see it? So I'd say that like almost every other video is one where it's like kind of focused on current trends, but things we're excited about. And the other ones are like strictly passion projects. Um, but the whole idea is like when we create something that's based on something that's trendy, they'll come and they'll watch the other content that we've created. But if we don't have anything based on anything, no one's going to even come and check out our stuff. As a thank you for listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, I'd like to invite you to join our private community for free. If you text the word community to 1-904-299-8992, I'll respond with a free invitation link. Once you join, I'll connect you with other community members and resources to help accelerate your success. Join today by texting the word community to 1-904-299-8992. I'm looking forward to talking to you within the Creating a Brand community. And now let's get back to today's episode. Now, I want to transition this conversation a little bit here because I want to I want to point out that you've had a lot of big brands that you've worked with, a lot of big companies. Hollywood has seen you. I mean, you've really just blown up in that area. How have you been able to get these bigger companies and brands to, to notice you and to find you? How has that worked out for you? For me, it's honestly just creating good content and then they see it. Um, We've never gone out on our own and said, hey, will you work with us? It was more about creating something and with the hopes that someone will see it attached to that brand. Um, Good example is like the one I stated earlier with Universal Studios, Universal Pictures, is I created fan films on Jurassic Park and then that created big opportunities. Same thing happened with with Nintendo. I really wanted to work with Nintendo um, because I'm just a big fan of that. So we created a really um, cool Mario um, Kart video and we just funded it ourselves. But then Nintendo saw that, then they hired us to create content for our channel then also for their YouTube channel. So for me, it's all about like proving yourself and then other companies see that and then that's created opportunities for us. That's how we've kind of run our business. 
I love that because it kind of goes back to the whole passion thing. You're doing the things that you love, and then people are noticing it because of that. Practically, for somebody who's just getting started, what would you say your first step would be for doing that? Because a lot of people immediately start trying to reach out to people, which is good advice at times. But if somebody was going to more operate out of their passion and create content for people to see, how would you recommend them really doing that in a way that can get noticed? Do you, do you blast it out there everywhere once you're done with it? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so in my early, early, like original five videos, I would say I would create the content and then I would start posting it, um, emailing it to websites. Sometimes that works, sometimes that didn't work as, as, as well. Um, for me too, I think collaboration is a big part of it. Whenever you can offer someone or some company something that they can't create on their own, um, that gives them a reason. So we have people all the time reaching out to us that are just starting off saying, hey, we don't have any followers. Um, let's create a video together. And to me, it's like, well, what are we going to create? But I have other followers that have zero followers and say, hey, I don't have a following at all. But we could offer as far as filming in New Zealand, we'll arrange everything, get the funding for it. And we would love to do that as a collaboration. Um, that was with a a YouTube channel called Stoke for Saturday. And then we ended up doing all these videos with them because they created the opportunity. So for me, like just starting off, like whenever you can collaborate, you need to be able to offer something in return that they probably couldn't um, have on their own. Yeah, I, I love that because I think it, it is so important because like you're saying, something they couldn't do on their own. You know, maybe they could have found somebody to do it, but maybe they wouldn't have even thought of it. You did something out there that was just unique and it was you, it's something you're passionate about. And I think that's a great way to just to add that value. Now, I have a question. If you were... Just starting off today, let's say, here we are, we're a decade past your first video, I believe. Uh, if you were just getting started today, do you think that you'd be able to accomplish what you have in the past? Has it changed too much? Is it too late to get into it? What are your thoughts on all this? So I don't think we could create what we've created now, but I think, and I see people constantly standing out. Now, that I think the biggest thing now is there's a lot more noise than there was when I started in 2010, where we were putting out high quality videos and no one was doing that on YouTube. So we stood out above everyone else, but now everyone's creating high quality content on YouTube. So now the question is, is what makes you or your channel or the way you create things different? So I think to me, it's all about being original and being different than everyone else. Like you can be incredible, like the world's best um, spinning around in a merry-go-round. If you can do that and be the best at it, you're going to stand out and that's going to create buzz and create opportunity. So it's like whatever you do, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, if you can stand out, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities there. Absolutely. Do what you can to stand out, to be different, to be unique. Now, with all everything you just mentioned comes the, the trolls and the hateful comments. You're on YouTube, so you have seen the best of the best, the worst of the worst. How do you deal with that bad feedback? When you're just being yourself and offering what you can uniquely to the world, people are not going to like it. How have you been able to, to deal with that? Yeah, so out of the 10 years I've been doing YouTube, um, there's been hate since the beginning. I almost feel it almost continues to get worse each year as far as people hide behind the computers and they just leave mean comments. Um, we'll upload like what we think is our best video and the first couple comments will be like, before they've even had time to watch the video, it'll just be these mean comments. With that being said, um, it does take a hit on you emotionally, especially when you invest a lot of time. But with that said, as I oftentimes will occasionally like, who is this person? I'll click on their, their YouTube link and I'll see like the kind of content they're creating. It's just them playing video games, um, but not actually creating anything. Um, so for me, it's like, it doesn't hit us as hard when we realize like the, the people that are leaving mean comments um, are just doing it to do it. And a lot of times like I'll respond and say, Hey, thanks for the feedback. We appreciate it. And then they'll usually like guaranteed response saying, Oh, I'm so sorry for the mean comment. I actually really loved your video. I love your channel. Um, so it's just, it's just the nature of the beast of how people have sadly evolved with it. 
Yeah, now early on, let's let's just pretend like you're back at, at year one, just because some of our audience, they're, they're still getting started. They're creators. I'll even call some of them future creators. When you get that first few bits of bad feedback or anything like that, what is your thoughts to somebody? Like, what can you really say to them? How do they press through that? I honestly think you have to learn to deal with it by ignoring it. Um, and then also too, like some of it, like if it sounds like they actually watched your video and generally care about you and left feedback, like I would definitely consider that feedback. But um, you see it so often when people just leave feed bad feedback just to leave bad feedback, even just starting off. And it's just, it's just remembering why you're creating the content and knowing that there's someone else out there that's going to be affected in a positive way because of it. Absolutely. You got to remember that person that's really going to affect in a positive way. Do you have any story for us about how what you've done has really affected somebody positively? I'd love to hear that encouragement. Yeah. So when I started um, or when I switched, because I went to film school, I dropped out my last year and I started creating YouTube videos. And I felt like a lot of the filmmaker community thought like you're wasting your time. Um, like if you want to create content, you don't put it on YouTube. You put it on like the, the Hollywood. Um, but for me, like some of the emails I was getting, one of them that pops up in my mind right now is a guy from Morocco. And he wrote me saying, hey, Devin, just so you know, um, you don't know me. You'll never meet me. The world's too big. But um, I decided um, I was dealing with severe depression. I was going to commit suicide. And before I did that, I was like, I want to remember the things I'll be missing out on in the world. So I went to your YouTube channel. I started watching all the videos and I just started bawling because I realized there'd be too much I'd be missing out. On. And that was like the turning point for me for deciding not to, to end my life. So for me, like hearing that kind of story was like so inspiring, knowing like, actually the content we're creating does matter. Even if it's just as silly as people jumping off of a cliff, like that's inspiring people to realize like their potential as far as everything that's out there in life. I love that story, man. I think that's so great. And for me, it reminds me of something I say to the Creating a Brand listeners a lot, which is do for one what you wish you could do for all. We have to be willing to help that one person. When we help them, it's worth it. You know, we don't all have 6 million plus followers like Devin, but here's the deal. We can all help that one person we do. If you get 10 bits of bad feedback, but you helped one person, it's worth it. And I think that that's something that's always been true in my life. Uh, Devin, one last question for you here. Um, again, creating a brand is, is creators, future creators, people that are getting started in their journey or even well into their journey, just not maybe as far along as you yet. But if you were going to give us one last piece of advice for social media, YouTube, anything like that, what would you say is something that we can do to really begin accomplishing what you've been able to accomplish? For me, the biggest thing is if you decide to pursue it, it's going to suck up your life. So make sure whatever you're doing is something you're genuinely passionate and excited about. Don't go into it just thinking, I want to be a YouTuber. Like, I never went into that. It was more about, I just want to create content that I'm passionate about. Because once you start creating something, once you start building your brand, people are going to continue to stay um, true to that brand. And that's the kind of content that they expect. So it's very hard to shift and change that brand once you've already built an audience towards that brand. Like Nike, for example, all of a sudden, they're not going to start launching like a, a soda product um, because people wouldn't expect that. So just is this determining the kind of content you want to create and then staying loyal to that because that's what the audience expects. Like I said, it's some serious soul searching right there, Devin. <laughs> uh, man, I really appreciate the time. Devin, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Again, huge fan. Love what you're doing. Excited to keep up with it in the future as well. Well, thank you very much and good luck, guys. This was a bucket list conversation for me. The next phase is for me being extra in one of Devin's videos. I don't need a main role. I just want to be one of the dudes in the back. Devin, I know you're listening to this. Just name the time and place and I will be there. This conversation ended up being far more than just advice for using YouTube. Devin shared transparently with us today about what it takes to be successful in this digital space, not just on YouTube, but in any sort of online business that you're involved in. And now I have a question for you that I'd love to hear your response to. 
What was your biggest takeaway from the wisdom that Devin shared in this episode with us today? To share your response, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 042. I've added a place where you can leave a comment. It's right below my favorite Devin Supertramp videos that I shared. I'm looking forward to learning from you and I'll be responding to your comment as well. Devin, thank you again for being a guest and sharing your wisdom and journey with us all today. For a list of my favorite Devin Supertramp videos and a link to see more, visit creatingabrand.com slash 042. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another episode next week.